two-week message series. Um, today, we're talking about the vision of a life-giving community, and I'm going to talk to you about what that is in just a minute. Um, but uh, first, we're going we're gonna to start off um, with a brief video to introduce the message. Hi, 10 right here. What we're asking them to do is very uncomfortable and it's hard and it hurts. You're pushing yourself to the limits of what you believe is possible and your body's telling you, hey, please stop. What I need to get from them is a willingness to keep going. Flawless execution is what we aspire to. We may not ever get there, but the pursuit is what keeps me up at night. That's it, test. Get it in, get it in, go, go, go. It's a game of precision, the blades dropping in the water together, and they're balanced correctly. Eight individuals that have worked as hard as they can and done everything they can form a boat that acts as one. When we compete, it's a race to that finish line. The vast majority of the time, the team that gets there first is the team that makes the fewest mistakes, that executes the best. Success means that we met the goal. Continuous improvement of the team. Better! Where they get faster and they improve over the entire season, culminating in some championships, some races that go incredibly well, and how do we move on to the next challenge from here? One of the things that I, I appreciate about different sports more than anything else, because I'm not really a sports guy, but what I do appreciate is teamwork. I love to see people work together for the good of the goal, for the good of the purpose of accomplishing what we set, set out to do. And uh, so as we begin to talk today about uh, what it means to be part of a life-giving community, um, understanding what our goal is, is half the battle, right? Wouldn't you agree? Uh, how many of you grew up on board games? You had Monopoly around your house. You had uh, Scrabble. You had, you know, Sorry, Life, you know, all those, all those old games that you used to play. Um, and there was always one line on the side of the box. The object of the game is, right? And so everybody, in order to play the game, in order to get involved, you had to know first and foremost what the object of the game, you knew, need to know what the goal was, right? Uh, we have these little uh, mini gridirons here, right? The, the goal posts are obvious. Each team can look down the field. They can see their goal. But in life, a lot of times we don't understand what the goal is. We get mixed up. Some people think the goal is all about money. Some people think the goal is all about a certain block in a certain subdivision that they live in. Uh, some people think the goal is, well, a nice house house and a family that gets together at Thanksgiving. What is the goal? Well, God has a goal for us, and he has a goal for the whole world. And I, I want to talk with you about this today. We're going to start this off. I hope you have your notes with you today, but uh, they're going to be on the screen. So if not, just follow along. Um, God has one dream goal for his dream team. And here's what it is. In, in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Um, when I travel overseas, I find that other countries have different uh, interpretations of what it means to be on time. 
We affectionately call Africa time about 45 minutes late. You show up for a meeting, there's three people there. You know there's supposed to be uh, 150 people there, but there's three people there. 45 minutes later, they all show up. And so as an American, your blood pressure starts to rise after about five minutes, and you go, whoa, I was talking to a guy from Hong Kong. He's a, he's a Filipino pastor who lives in Hong Kong, and he told me this. He said, in Hong Kong, if the metro station, if the train doesn't arrive on time, if it's 30 seconds late, they will start calling the, the, uh, the train depot and complaining. He said if it's more than a minute and a half late, somebody's going to lose their job. So you think you Americans are wound tight. Go to Hong Kong, right? And so all of this has to do with the, the, the time frame. But I, I want to I mention that as it relates to some would look at the, the promise of God and say, God, you're, you're kind of slack. How come you're not bringing judgment like we read about in, uh, in your word? How come you're not coming back the way we read about in your word? How come, and, and we look at in this little time and space that we live in. And first of all, the thir- first thing you need to understand about the Lord is he's patient. He's patient. In, in some countries, in shame-faced uh, cultures, the most important person shows up last. And the reason for that is because if the most important person shows up and, and uh, us lesser earthlings are not there, it will look bad on us. We will embarrass. We will be embarrassed. So they wait and they wait and they wait so that when the most important person comes in, everything's in place. They don't have to think. Look at, think about that when it comes to the Lord. Why, Jesus, why is it taking you so long to come? He's waiting for everybody that can hear the gospel to get into the kingdom of God. Jesus said that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. You want to know what the Lord's waiting on? Get busy. He doesn't want anybody to not know him. He doesn't want anyone to, uh, to go to hell. He doesn't want anyone to not experience his life. He wants his life to be shed abroad to every person. And so you and I need to realize God has one dream goal that we would know him. Touch your neighbor and say, do you know him? Go ahead. You know what? God wants us to know him. He, he already knows us. He knows everything about us. If you think God uh, doesn't know your name, doesn't know your address, doesn't lo- know your likes or dislikes, you got another thing coming. He knows everything about you. He knows the hairs on your head. Some of those are numbered fewer than they used to be, but... Nonetheless, he knows every aspect of your life. God, God is, is such an attentive God, but the word says that he's not slow concerning his promise. He's patient. Don't think, God, he's, don't think of God that he's slow. He's patient. You're looking at the patience of God, and he's waiting for everybody to know him. Everything that we do here at Lighthouse has to be funneled into this one goal. Does this help? or hinder people knowing God? Does this, uh, does this accelerate the process or does this uh, obstruct the process? What are we here to do? Make sure that everybody has the opportunity to experience the love of Jesus. One preacher said it this way, uh, nobody should have a second slice of the bread of life until everybody has had a chance to have one. Isn't that the way it is at your house? No seconds. 
No seconds until everybody goes through the line. No seconds until everybody has the first serving. And guess what? We have, if we've heard the same message twice, we've heard it a million times, we need to get out there and let other people know and compel them to come in. Because that's the Father's heart. That's the number one goal. That's what God wants to do uh, with his dream team. Secondly, God's dream team has only one leader. The Word of God tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him, who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, there's a, a whole lot I could preach. The, I could preach uh, a week of sermons on this one message alone. But here's here's what you need to get a hold of: that that the, the 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 leader of Lighthouse is not Ken Kramer. The leader of Lighthouse is not. We have we have teams here, but we all follow one leader, and his name's Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so everything that we do, we do in pursuit of him so that he might be manifest in the world, so that his goal will be accomplished. We are out for his goal and, and not our glory, his glory and not ours. Amen? And so we have one leader. I, I want to I talk to you for just a second about this thought because I think we kind of dismiss it sometimes. Let me ask you a question. If you uh, had to go in for a brain surgery, say... Would you want somebody that had completed one or two? Let's take a survey. Just, just finished residency, done maybe one or two brain surgeries, and you're going to sign up for it. Nah, probably not. I'd want somebody opening my cranium that was, you know, had a, a dozen or two dozen or a hundred successful, <laughs> successful <laughs> surgeries, Right? Well, there's a little, you know, I, I was the mechanic growing up that there was always a spare part. <laughs> you don't want to be a brain surgeon with spare parts, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I put them all together. I can't remember where this part goes. <laughs> We've got some leftovers here. I don't know what that is. And uh, so, you know, you want somebody that not only starts well, but finishes well. Jesus is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Jesus didn't stop at the cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So we know that Jesus is a finisher, that Jesus goes all the way through. Muhammad could not say that he went all the way through. He died. He didn't defeat death. Jesus defeated death right? And so, you know, we have to recognize that there's only one leader that's qualified for the human race. There's only one who is worthy for all of the human race to bow down to and say, you are God. Jesus, uh, the word tells us of Jesus that he is the one who was and is and is to come. And the good news is Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God for all your tomorrows. He's the God for all your todays. He is taking care of your yesterday so it doesn't hinder you at all. Amen? Jesus is our leader. He is the one that we aspire to follow. And when we follow him, we become leaders ourselves. 
You're going to hear this next week as we break out our bylaws at the conclusion of our 10 o'clock service. We're, we're joining the 8 o'clock and the 10 o'clock next week for Vision Sunday, but there is a vote that we need to take uh, at the end, conclusion of the service for folks who've uh, been here uh, quite some time. They're part of our, our ministry here, part of this life, life-giving community. But we're going to talk about some of the wording in our bylaws. We, we shared it in 2015. Those, uh, those bylaws were ratified in 2015. But in it, we don't, call, uh, we don't call the rank and file person who's a part of Lighthouse a member. And we don't call them partners and we don't call them congregants. We call them leaders. We call them leaders because I believe that once you decide to follow Jesus, that you ought to be leading others to him. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I can't be, I, it's possible to be a member and not be on, on fire and, and create a draft behind me, but it's impossible to be a leader and not be pulling people toward him. Are you with me? We've got we've to understand who God sees us as we are, sees us to be. We are here to affect change in our world, and that's something that leaders do. Plus, I thought martyr would be a little bit over the top. We are all martyrs. No, well, I don't know. I don't think I want to sign up for that. There is special grace if you find yourself in that spot, but, you know, but anyway. So, so we have one leader that we follow, and, and we need to follow him closely, and, and we need to be people that keep that clarity. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church, don't go saying I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Peter. Did, a, did Paul die for you? Was Apollos crucified for you? Did Peter raise from the dead for you? No. Jesus himself, he's the only leader here in this house, amen? He's a, God, God is assembling a dream team behind Jesus Christ, the leader uh, of his church. He is the head of the church. Notice that, that the word says that we grow and we build ourselves up in love as each part does its work as each part does its work. We grow as each part does its work. What's your part? What part of the body of Christ are you? Where do you fit here in this house? Yes, you are part of the, uh, of the larger body of Christ, the cosmic people of God who are, uh, who are blood-washed and blood-bought. Yes, you are part of that. But you only express the life of God connected with the people that you're connected with right here, the people in your family, the people in this, com- this church community. And you are a part, and you only mature as you do your work. We can only be as mature as the weakest part of the body of Christ. Does, does that make sense? We can be only as mature as people who are saying, you know, I'm in. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect. You're going to find that. Spend 10 minutes with me. You're going to know. But that's not the point. The point is we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And we're here to learn to bear one another's burdens, right? We're here to learn to walk together. And so as each one of us discovers who we are in Christ and we begin to walk that out locally here in this body, then we become stronger as a people of God. God's dream team has many parts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18 says, But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
Some of you are struggling because you're saying, well, I don't really see where I'm supposed to fit in in the body of Christ. I don't really see where I'm supposed to fit uh, here at, in, uh, at Lighthouse. How do I find my place? Let me talk to you about that for a second. You know, one of the things that I've learned about spiritual gifts is this little one-liner, and hang on to this with me, whatever makes you tick, ticks you off. Whatever makes you tick, ticks you off. If some of you are neat freaks and you go into a dirty room, all of a sudden your blood pressure goes up. You're like, oh, don't make me sit here. Some of you have the gift of administration and you go in and you evaluate every fast food place that you go into. Management here really stinks, man. What about customer service? I, I, I could give them three or four things. You know, uh, you, you know uh, let me give you some pointers today. You know, some of you are that way. Some of you, you have a, you have a trained voice. You worked hard at it. You learned music. Uh, you're disciplined in it. You may have perfect pitch. And then you hear Pastor Ken sing and you go, oh, don't do that. Your, your gift focuses your attention, doesn't it? I installed floors for, for many, many years. I grew up, my dad's a, a floor covering installer. Uh, you know, so I, I, all my life I've been around. I was in, helping install carpet when I was six years old. Actually, I was screwing things up when I was six years old, but, but that's another story. So, uh, but any, everywhere I go, I, I see the floors. That's just ridiculous, I know. You know, uh, you know carpet guys walk around looking, at the, looking down all the time. You know, I'm, I, I, see, I see seams that are popping. I see things that are not the way they need to be. And I, I notice it. I, now I don't do anything about it. But I used to. I used to. I'd say, hey, you need to fix this, you know, something like that. And uh, um, I, I used to. But, you know, whatever your trade, whatever your gift, you, you evaluate things based on those, on those giftings. What that means is that if it's bothering you, that means, hey, maybe I'm supposed to be part of the solution for that. Right? We have teams here at Lighthouse that do numbers of things. The, the team is the smallest building unit in the church. Now, it took us probably 25 years to get this revelation. And we burned a lot of people out because we thought that the person was the smallest building unit in ministry. And I'm convinced we were wrong all along. It's the team. It's a five-member team that is the smallest building unit? Who wants to be just the only nursery worker? No, you don't. You need your brain examined. You need a team. You need a team in kids' ministry. You need a team in the girls' ministry. You need a team in the Royal Rangers. You need a team in the Verge. You need a team on this platform. We've got teams, and we encourage one another. We strengthen each other, and, and we are complementary. We are never competitive when it comes to these things. We are. I'm not jealous of your gift. I'm jealous for your gift. Does that make any sense? Um, I don't wish I had your gift because I already do. We are part of the body of Christ. Ken Kramer has two hands, a right and a left, right? And, and so those hands work complementary, right? So the right hand doesn't need to be jealous of the left. The, uh, the, the hands need the eyes. The ears and the eyes need the mouth, right? Because you don't want to talk unless you've heard, unless you've seen. Your mouth will get you in trouble. 
So we're not jealous of one another. We're jealous for one another. And we find out how God has created us, how he has fashioned us, and then we connect ourselves into the body of Christ. Can I tell you why this is so important? Say, Pastor Ken, why is that so important? Okay, did you see the crew boat? Did you see the, did you see the efficiency? Did you see that they were all working together and they created movement as they did? And it was, it was beautiful. It's almost like it's poetry in motion. It's ballet. It's, it's smoothness, right? Not a bunch of flopping around. If I'd been in there, I would have been flopping around. It would have been ugly. But the, the smoothness, and, and it's all, and they had just the, you know, the, uh, the coxswain up there that's calling out the, uh, when everything, and the coach is, is looking on the sideline and, he, and telling them, okay, do this, do this. And, and all of that, we need people around us to help us do better, to help us be better, to help us be the people that God wants us to be. And, and so one of the things that's so important about this, you and I have to get a hold of, is we need to discover what our part is. We have a class now. We call it This Is Me. And it uses a, a strengths finder uh, model to find out what your five signature strengths are. We use a spiritual gifts test to find out how you're wired up so that we can help best uh, place you where, where you need to be. And here's the good news about every gift in this room. Here's the, here's the good news. If I share my gift with you, then my gift doesn't diminish me. I don't have half a gift. I still have my gift. But I share it with you, and now you have two. Say I shared an idea with you. Do I now no longer have my idea? And you shared your idea back with me. Now I have two. I didn't get diminished because I shared what I have with you, and you shared what. No, we increase. The body of Christ is a go structure. The problem with most churches is that they don't go much anymore. They don't move. God created us to be a movement. The gospel that I receive doesn't belong to me. It belongs to every person who's never heard it. It belongs to the next person that hasn't had that slice of the bread of life. Hey, I got some bread of life to share with you today. Can I share it with you today? Because you know what? It's going to go stale if I hang on to it. But if I give it to you, it'll be fresh. Are you with me? So we, we've got we've to be giving away what we have. And here's what you'll understand. Jesus said, you know what? If you're hanging on to it, then you're going to lose what you have. But if you'll give it away, you'll find you have more. So you keep giving it away. You keep, so the church has got to be a go structure. And so part of what's happening today as we, uh, as we encourage you to sign up for teams and part of what we're going to talk about next week is this vision of a life-giving community, which brings me to my last point, and I want to share it with you, and then we're going to close in prayer. God's dream team is incomplete without you. It's incomplete. I don't care how big the, the, the epic cosmic body of Christ is, if you're not uh, using your gift, the body of Christ is incomplete. Because God put a gift in you, only you. It's as, it's as, uh, it's as unique to you as your DNA and your fingerprint. And if you are not plugging in, connecting to the body of Christ and receiving. Now, I'm, it, this you got to understand the church. The church in the world has done this wrong for so long that it's almost like the people have existed for the ministry of the minister, and that's not the way it is. We exist for one another. 
me and you. We exist to encourage one another. And I'm here to equip you so that when you stand before Jesus, it's the happiest day of your life. That you got connected with the body and you flourished because the life of the body was flowing into your life and your gift and life was flowing back into us. And together we increased and together we created this massive harvest net that brought people into the body of Christ like never before. I love Mark Geppert's statement. He says this, relationships are the knots in the net of harvest. Why do you think unforgiveness is so devastating in the body of Christ? Relationships are the knots in the net of harvest. If I have unforgiveness, if I have ought against my brother, that relationship is severed. And now there's a big hole in my net, our net, the net that should have retained anybody that has never met Jesus. But now they look at us, and that guy can't get along with that guy, and this person can't get along, and that person hates that person. They say, why do I need the body of Christ? I got enough drama of my own. Why would I want to go be a part of that? But when the head of the church says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he says, come follow me. Then we have to operate the way he's called us to operate. God's dream team is incomplete without you. Uh, um, 1 Corinthians 18, 27. Now, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Philippians 2, 13, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. To will and to act. One of the things that you need as a person, as a, as a, a leader here at Lighthouse, as a member in the body of Christ, is you need some discernment to understand that God is at work in you. And many of you don't even know it. You would say, oh, this is, doesn't everybody think the way I do? No. Can't everybody do this thing or that thing? Or isn't everybody motivated by this thing the way I'm motivated? No, they're not. You know, and, and what the word is telling us is that God has arranged the body exactly the way he wants it. He wants hands to be at the end of the arms and not at the knees. That'd be awkward. Although I have often wished that I had an eye at the end of my finger, you know, so that I could like, you know, because, you know, when you lose something, when your wife loses something between the seat and the console in the car, she's in the dark so you can't see the eyes flashing at me right now. We have this car and there's like so much stuff down there now because every time she gets in, she has to drop something. It's not every time, okay? It's an exaggeration, but lots of times, lots of times. So I wish I had this little eye that could point down there and say, oh, yeah, I see it right there, you know. But, but God arranged the body the way he wants it, right? He knows you. He knows how he has fashioned you, and he wants you connected to the life-giving supply of the body. And when you are connected, then life flows to you, and then life flows through you. This is about a life-giving community. This is about every part doing its work. This isn't about me doing all the work and you uh, getting along for the ride. This is about all of us together, connecting together, loving one another, moving together so that people 
discover what it looks like. What does a city on a hill look like? What does it look like when, when righteousness, peace, and joy is in control? What does it look like when everything is as it should be? What, what does it look like when the peace of God just, just blankets, when people walk in, they say, man, something's different in here. What's this, what's this different? What does it look like when Jesus said, they will know you are Christians by your love for one another? We are here to represent Jesus, which brings us back around to God's ultimate goal so that all may know, so that all may know. It's not just your gift. It's our gift. I'm jealous because you're stingy. I'm jealous because freely you have received. Jesus said, freely give. You have freely, you didn't earn that gift of your intelligence. You didn't earn that gift of endurance. You didn't earn that gift of I can figure this out. You didn't earn that gift of wisdom. And it belongs to us as a body. And you share it and you're not going to have less. You're going to have more. You're going to have more because when you tap into the life-giving community of this body, there's going to be a refreshing that flows in your soul and your family like you have never experienced before. So important that we get a hold of this. Let me tell you, we're going to close here in a second. Let me tell you how I, 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 if I could trace back in my life how I ended up where I am today. If I were to follow it all the way back, it has to do with the connection that I made at a, at a men's work day at Mount Hope Baptist Church in Franklin, North Carolina. I'd gotten saved. I was 17 years old, and I was attending church, and the pastor, you, you know, I, I, I know now as a leader, I know. I would never, I, I, I want to say I would never do what he did, but at the same time, I understand why he did what he did. I was like the only teenager that had gotten radically saved in that church for like ever. And every Baptist church had a Sunday school class, and he handed me, I was no more than two months old in the Lord, and he handed me a Baptist Sunday school quarterly and said, I want you to teach your age group. Now, nah. Okay, don't recommend it. But what it did do was it caused me to, it, you know, the, the most, it, it, everybody, if you want to know who the best student in the class is, it's always the teacher. The teacher's always the best student. Why? Because they have to study for everybody else. They have to study, make sure they know, okay, I've got to, I've got to not only know this stuff, but I've got to know what questions might get asked. I've got to know. So the, the teacher's always the best student. Easy to find in a classroom at any given time. Teacher's the best student. And so it pushed me in that position. But, but, uh, but more than that, I wanted to be, there was something on the inside of Ken Kramer's 17-year-old family didn't go to church. Nobody, nobody in my family was, was pursuing God. But God had done something on the inside of me, and I, I wanted more. I wanted to be connected. How do you get connected? Let me ask you, uh, when, when you see a 17-year-old kid, a 15-year-old kid, and they show up, and mom and dad are not anywhere in the room, nowhere on the building, somebody dropped them off, and they came to the lighthouse, praise God for that. They could be anywhere. They could be sleeping in. They could do anything they wanted, but something on the inside of them woke up and said, I need, there's more to life than what I got, and I'm going to find God at that church. Well, thank God for that. You know, 
and let me t push it a, a step further. Anybody that gets in the way of that 15-year-old, 17-year-old wanting to come to the house of God, if you get in the way, somebody is going to exercise a ministry of slap. I don't know. We're, we're starting a new team. <laughs> Everyone did. Woo! All right. <laughs> the ministry of slap. <laughs> Where was I going? Oh, yeah. That was fun. Don't stop the 15 That was fun. I'm having a good time. I think Jesus said something like it's don't lead one of these little ones astray it's better that you had a millstone tied around your neck than you get in the way come on that's pretty strong woe from the scripture but there was a man's whoa we have electricity thank God for dominion power you knew something was different. You didn't know what it was, right? We lost one of the phases, one of the fuses on the transformer this morning. We came in and only half the lights worked. So, um, so there was a men's meeting, and the guys had gotten together. And if you know anything about uh, Georgia uh, and Western North Carolina, it's it's red clay. Everything is red clay. You don't want a white car down there because the the red stain gets all over the bottom of the car, and you just can't get rid of it. It's all it's there all the time. And uh, so the ladies, when they were coming into church, they were walking through that red clay and getting their, getting their heels all muddy and, you know, all that red clay it was everywhere. And so the guys got together and said, you know what, let's, let's uh, pour a stoop out front of the steps so that uh, when we come in, we don't have to walk through the mud. And, and 17 years old, I was going to do anything I could do. I mean, this is my church, you know. This is, you know uh, what can I do? And they, they you know, I mean, this, I'm talking to guys in their 40s and their 50s. I was, you know, I, 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 moved, the, I moved the generational curve significantly. Significantly, there was there wasn't anybody else up 17, and they and I said, "What are you doing?" They said, "We're we're pouring this this stoop, you know, it's like 10 by 12 or something like that." And and uh, and I said, "Well, you know what? My stepdad is has a concrete products business. I tell you what, I'll bring the wire and I'll bring the rebar." And their eyes lit up. You're gonna do that? Sure, yeah. And it went in one Saturday morning. It went from being that church to being my church because I found a place. I took the things that I had and I connected them to that church that became my church. And some of you are out on the head and, it's, and it, Lighthouse is that church. But when you put your hand to something, it becomes your church. It becomes yours. You are us, we are you. Right? And I believe that I'm in ministry today because some 40 and 50 year old guys said you can join us on Saturday morning they didn't hinder me they didn't put up their hand I probably didn't finish the concrete very good that day but I was a part of what got done what's your part how has God fashioned you and what is it that he wants you to do so that other people might hear the message because let me tell you, I preach the gospel through my bringing of wire and rebar. Some of you preach the gospel through hospitality. 
when you set up. Can I tell you, guys, aren't we so thankful for the, the, the ladies and, and uh, Marvin and Trivia and Becky that do the, the, do the breakfast for us? Let me tell you, if it, was a, if it was a breakfast prepared by Pastor Ken Kramer, you would have a box of donuts and a sign for the water fountain down the hall. Bring your own coffee. I mean, you, that's, that's about as much hospitality as you'd get, you know. But, but there's a, there's, whenever you put your hand to this thing and, and you use your gift, you are glorifying God. You are ministering the gospel. And you may not be called to stand up here and do what I do. You don't have to be. You are already called to do what you do. Full-time ministry using your gift. Amen. Can we stand? We look to you, Jesus. You're our leader this morning. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. We have a goal. Our goal is that every man, woman, boy and girl on the face of the planet would have a representation of who Jesus is. Lord, demonstrate your power through us. Demonstrate your glory through us. Show us how to organize so that we won't agonize. Show us, Lord God, uh, how to align ourselves so that we won't frustrate ourselves. Show us, Lord God, how to move with you and organize accordingly, Lord, so that we can see you get the ultimate glory for your name. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters today. I pray, Lord God, that in just a moment they would sign up on teams. They would, uh, they would rally around. They would find out what it is that's available for them and how that they can take their gift and put it to work so that you might receive the glory in this community. We thank you for that now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you so much. Don't forget, uh, what? We, we took an offering. Oh, we have a special offering? Yes, sir. Oh, we have yes, well, sir. Tell them about the special. Do offer. you guys remember last year how we raised seventy-three hundred dollars to make a well in Africa work? And this year we want to help with that sort of thing, but we're starting with a benevolence offering because we all want also want to make sure that we are prepared to help if this government shutdown runs longer than it looks like it could. So this year our our special offering is going to go to that or a well. Once we get through this little rough spot, then that's where the rest is going to go. But if you would like to give to that, we're going to pray for that offering. The ushers are coming. We're prepared to receive that. And then Becky is going to give us information about what's coming next to finish the rest of this day. We still have lots more fun things to do and opportunities and clarity on how you can sign up to be a part of a team. So this is our opportunity to help make it so people can eat and people can have clean water. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your great provision for us and that you will give us everything that we need and we pray that you bless these tithes and offerings and keep us safe as we go play football too amen amen what a fun exciting service today how many are staying for flag football and bounce house and pizza and all that good stuff that's awesome i'll um i'm going to tell you about next week and then we'll get right back to that so next week there's no 8 a.m service on sunday because we're having vision sunday together at 10 a.m so you'll want to come out for that and this wednesday night at seven is our last uh breathing room andy Stan stanley small group 
So we're going to do a worship night. Thank you, Pastor Bernie. He's keeping me straight. We're doing worship night. So even if you don't normally come out on a Wednesday night, you'll want to come this Wednesday at 7, Girls Ministry and Rangers, and everyone will be right in this room along with The Verge. So um, our team leaders can be released to go to those back tables. You can sign up for a team there. And we want you to know that if you are thinking, I don't know where I fit, um, my friend reminded me of this great quote, if you asked a fish to climb a tree, he'd think he was a failure. Well, we have a place for you at Lighthouse. If you're not sure how to use your gifts, you can see me or any of the pastors. We're going to get you in a spot. You can ask those questions to the leaders at the table. And some signups are a two-step process, so you might need to check your email when you get home to finish that registration. If you'd like to pay for pizza, it's $5 a person, $15 a family, and you can see me right back there at the goalpost at the events table to finish up. So let's get on a team. Thanks, guys.